Hey everyone, what is the crack? It is your host Gareth McGlynn here and I have got a real pre-construction technology treat for you today. Um, I sat down with Andrew Zukowski and he is the co-founder of Join. Now anybody that doesn't know Andrew or doesn't know Join, um, basically it's a platform to enable teams to make better design and construction decisions and unlock dramatic improvements to project delivery by connecting projects and people to data. Um, super interesting guy, super cool guy, young guy who's making huge waves within pre-construction. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you'll know that I call the three-legged stool, which is basically the architect, the owner, and the contractor. Uh, and essentially, that's what Andrew and, and Join are doing. They're they're improving the collaboration, the transparency, the communication between the three-legged stool. Um, and as always, before we go in and speak with Andrew, let's hear from our sponsor, Beck Technology. Here is the president, Stuart Carroll. Hey everyone, I'm Stuart Carroll. I'm the president at Beck Technology. We are based in Dallas, Texas, and we are a pre-construction software company. We were founded in 1996, and we've really been focused on the world of pre-construction. We believe that pre-construction is where the biggest decisions that impact the outcome of a project occur, and we believe that through the use of technology, we can enable our users to make better, more informed pre-construction decisions, the net result of which is to make the world a better place. We're excited to uh, announce our partnership with Niche, and one of the things that really excites me is bringing pre-construction professionals the opportunity to get certified in our latest uh, product, Destiny Estimator. It's our belief that if we can help you understand how integrated pre-construction and pre-construction data lifecycle can benefit your business, um, it will ultimately improve the pre-construction services that you bring to your customers. And we'd like to uh, announce that we're going to be releasing this at the end of Q1, and it's available to anybody that's a friend of Niche. Andrew Zukowski, welcome to the Pre-Construction Podcast. Hey, Gareth. Glad to be here. Good, good. Looking forward to this one. Um, we are, if you only, for anybody that doesn't know Andrew, um, can you give us a quick intro of what you're doing now? Yeah, happy to. Um, so I'm, I'm Andrew Zukowski. Um, I'm one of the co-founders at Join. Uh, you can find us at join.build. Um, we're the decision-making platform for the built environment. Um, my background's in software engineering and um, sort of super excited to be uh, building a software solution for the pre-construction industry and serving estimators and pre-construction managers um, who are so impactful uh, for the built environment. Brilliant. Now, I know your, your background is software engineer, but you have kind of pivoted and, and, and specialized in the construction market. Take us back to, to 2010 when you graduated from Rice University. Had you always got like a, a mission to improve the, the construction world? Uh, no, no, I, I don't think um, uh, construction was on my radar, really. I, I think I flirted with being an architect at some point earlier in my life, but 
think almost everyone I meet at some point thought that <laughs> we all thought we were some, the architects. Yeah, everybody <laughs> thought they were the person who designed that city, right? We all yeah. played SimCity and we're like, yeah, that's like, I should be in charge. Um, we were uh, all going to change the skyline, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that, that was a while back. No, I, I got started in the uh, 3D printing world. Um, so it was a exci- exciting time for that industry. Um, I uh, landed at a company, Bespoke Innovations, that was doing customized medical devices. Um, so we, we developed a system that would, um, do you remember the, do you remember the Microsoft Connect, that like weird thing you'd put on top of your Xbox and yeah, like dance yeah. around in front of it and play bowling or something? Yeah. So we had, we, we developed a system uh, utilizing some of that technology that would um, capture the shape of someone's body and then let us 3D print um, um, devices, you know, uh, braces, prosthetics, orthotics that uniquely matched each person's body. Um, and that was cool. Scoliosis braces, um, hand and wrist braces mostly. And the company was acquired by 3D Systems. And um, I continued working on that project for a few years. But, uh, and what, what had excited me about that was sort of using, using computers to shape something out in the world. And I mean, there it was really like a, um, uh, like a shape, right? Like it's just a piece of plastic in a very particular shape that gives it some function. But um, while, while I was at 3D Systems, um, uh, a friend sent me a job posting for this company, Flux, um, which was a, a Google X spin out that was taking some of the computational design techniques and design automation techniques, similar to the ones that we had learned to deploy for the 3D printed devices and applying them to buildings. and. You know, there's a fair number of customized braces out there, but there are a lot more buildings out there and they're a lot more and they're a lot bigger. Um, and so I thought this looks and it was an amazing team. Um, and so I thought this looks interesting and I jumped in there and that was sort of that was that was my sort of first foray into either architecture or construction. But um, uh, for all its quirks, I you know, fell in love with it. Um, how, how, uh, how exciting was Flux? Um, because, I mean, you're still relatively young in 2014 when you take up that uh, director of engineering role. I mean, how exciting was it to, to be involved? And I take it they were a startup? Yeah, a startup. Um, company got started as a project inside of Google Ads. Um, it was the first company to spin out of Google. Um, I mean, it was it was thrilling. It was super well-funded. Um, it... Uh, it was doing technology for architecture and construction sort of before the most recent wave of funding. Um, mm-hmm. And there were, I mean, there were pluses and minuses to that. It probably made taking what we built to market a little bit harder, but it also meant that, especially with the Google name attached to us, um, yeah. just every door in the world opened and we were incredibly privileged to learn like what people's problems were and how a lot of things around the industry worked. And um, Nick Chim, the CEO had this just, incredibly compelling vision for how um, computational design could could advance the industry and could advance the world and assembled a super smart team um, around it. And um, yeah, I mean, I think one of the most important things in your like daily experience is just like who you're spending time with and who you're working with. And so that was that was a great group. Um, teams teams still largely in touch today. Um, you know, uh, Drew and I met there. She's one of the co-founders at Join. Jim and I met through Flux as well. Um, you know, it was it was great. It was a great, yeah, time. important step. Um, and what were the big takeaways from it? Um, if you could put your finger on on the two your two or three things that you said, you know what, I learned this from from Flux, um, and I'm definitely going to implement it at, at Join. Yeah. Um, 
so flux flux didn't at the end of the day didn't work um and i think there were a couple of reasons for that um one was focus and then we tried to do a lot of different things at different times um but and that, that was one lesson but i think the other lesson that we took away was the need to meet the industry where it is um that the uh I mean, you must have seen the like McKinsey graph of productivity and construction versus other other industries, right? Yes. Like, um, crazy. You know, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's crazy. But um, I think it was Darren Bechtel of Brick and Mortar who's pointed out that like you know we've been building buildings for quite some time, and actually, you know, the reason that like I don't know, pick another industry like. Uh, automotive manufacturing is getting more and more efficient is that we've only been doing it for a hundred years. We've been building amazing buildings for literally millennia. <laughs> and so we're, we're actually pretty good at it. Um, it's, you know, that's, that's one argument, but then like the other argument is that you like, you, you peel this back and you like get to ask why a few times. And um, there, there, there are good reasons that the industry is, is conservative in adopting some things. And it's not, it, it's, it, the very nature of the work where you move from project to project and every project is completely unique and you have to work with a completely new team like this isn't this isn't a static industry that wants to you know stick in its ways it's an it's it maybe may the most dynamic industry in the world and um i that took a little while to learn at flux but it, yeah. it convinced me that um to help the industry move forward you need to meet the industry where it was in many respects, you couldn't, Flux basically said like, look, we got a bunch of really smart software engineers and we put them in a room and they're gonna come up with a better way to do architecture and construction. And I like, and it didn't work, but <laughs> going and spending time with practitioners, um, understanding you know their challenges, understanding a little bit more about why some of the things that you look at and say, this isn't a good idea. This shouldn't be done this way. If you ask why a few times, um, you learn. You know, sometimes there are good reasons. Yeah. And sometimes it's just that the technology is not built in the right way, and you need to build something else. Um, Absolutely. To help them move forward. Yeah. yeah. See, those are the the those big, big lessons we took away. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, and then what? What? Did, when did uh, like the 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 join thing come up? Was it straight after Flux? You said, you know what, this is what we're going to do. Or was there like a, a timeline in there that you turned around and said, you know what, I could go into another. A startup, uh, another kind of 3D printing, go down that line again, or what was what? Why pre-construction and why join? Yeah, great question. Um, we, uh, I, I maybe a little bit of ego, but um, I think I knew, knew that I wanted to do my own thing. Um, coming out of Flux, um, we had seen just enough opportunity in the industry to to believe that there was a chance um, to do something pretty pretty special. Um, so we got joined going pretty quickly, but we weren't doing the same pre-construction things. Um, we uh, initially started building um, a different flavor of design automation tools still for architects and engineers. And um, this was sort of natural for, I mean, we'd like no BIM technology up and down and um, uh, uh, under, you know, knew a bunch of the like leading folks inside of computational design practices and all the leading firms and so forth. And so sort of a natural, natural place to start um, and we learned very quickly that it wasn't the place that we were going to meaningfully uh, impact the industry. And so we had developed automation tools that let designers reason better about 
the product systems and materials that were going to actually be used to put the building together. And so you had earlier feedback on constructability, earlier feedback on cost. And we take it out and we start showing it to people and people are interested and starting to use it. And um, what, what we learned was that, you know, the designer's office wasn't the place to really move the needle on project outcomes. Um, and the, the <laughs> basically all the designers kept, kept telling us, whispering in ears, you know, we like to think we're the people shaping the skyline and it's nice to not have to draw quite so many things manually, but what's happening more and more is that the contractor is involved earlier and earlier. And instead of happening in a design review meeting, all of the most important decisions in a project are happening in the OAC meetings during the pre-construction phase. And, you know, we heard that, it took us hearing that a few times to say, oh, that's interesting. Um, but eventually we figured out how to listen to it and um, and pulled on that thread. And and what we, you know, we, we developed a um, view of the world where pre-construction is just incredibly important in determining both what will be delivered from a project, like what the actual building will be, what the piece of infrastructure will be, how well it will serve like the owner or society's needs, but then also uh, the outcomes for all of the different firms and stakeholders involved. Like, are they able to do the job profitably? Do they have a good time doing it? Do they want to do it again? Do they get repeat business out of it, this sort of thing. Um, and what we, what, we, what we realized was that it doesn't like, we had helped you know, design teams um, build designs for just the craziest buildings, like the most unique facades, every panel different, um, just these beautiful things, amazing choices about the sustainability and healthy use of materials, just all of this stuff at the design phase. And that's great, but it has to go through pre-construction because it's almost always designed right now without cost input. Yeah. You know, cost and, you know, design informs cost and you have to, you have to coordinate the design and the budget somehow. Like maybe you can get the budget to be bigger or you need to figure out how to fit the design in. And, you know, it, 10 years ago, this was all value engineering, but like teams are, teams are starting to move past this and engage earlier through design build or construction manager at risk delivery methodologies. And, um, uh, the result is this pre-construction phase where the design isn't quite finished, but it comes in and there's a team of people who understand cost and constructability. And it's whatever comes out of pre-construction that gets built. Yeah. And so your, your, your project is only as good as your pre-con phase. Yeah. And right now that pre-construction phase is run through a spreadsheet. And it means that it doesn't matter what crazy BIM technologies you have. It doesn't matter like what design automation we provided without a change in the world, projects were only gonna be as good as the pre-construction spreadsheet. And um, we thought that we could improve that. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Great. And you're right. I mean, it's very difficult. I've, I don't think I've ever heard of it where they, they increase the budget after after design. I mean, it's, it's generally going to get tightened up during pre-construction. But you got to remember as well, pre-construction within general contracting, even 10 years ago, wasn't an important department. I mean, it was number crunching, but not to an extent that number crunching. Pre-construction now is a fundamental place and, and where the biggest decisions are made. 
Um, and, and that's what general contractors are re realizing. And obviously that has evolved over the la next last 10 years. Now they need uh, the technology to complement that. Because, um, I mean, if you've listened to the podcast, everyone knows that I believe the future of construction is pre-construction. And then the future of pre-construction is talent and technology. So once you've got that kind of combination together, you've got a serious chance of make, building a bigger, better, safer, safer world for everyone or, or a project. Um, and, and, it's interesting, and it's interesting, John, um, give me, this, this probably feeds in now to give us a, a kind of a, a layman's term explanation of what JOIN does and how it works. Great, yeah. So joins joins the decision-making platform for the built environment. Um, a lot of what happens in pre-construction is decision-making. Um, the, the construction and design teams need the owner to make, we, we've run the data on this. We actually track all these decisions since so we know how many decisions are involved. Most projects actually, regardless of size, it's between one and 2,000 owner-driven decisions that need to happen. And, um, you know, it's not 10,000, but it's also not 100. It's one or 2,000. You can't you can't do one a day. Like yeah. you need to make you need to make them pretty quick, and yeah. they're complicated, and they touch many different scopes, and they impact, you know, the program and the design. And there's complicated technical concerns with each of them, or with many of them, not with all of them. Um, and uh, a lot of what, you know, you mentioned the talent in pre-construction. Like the talented individuals in pre-construction need to guide the owner through all of these decisions and they need to do it in a way where there's trust and confidence and transparency so that the relationship doesn't erode because it's mm -hmm. easy it's easy for you know an owner or developer when they're uh being told that they can't have the champagne on their beer budget um to lose a little bit of trust or a little bit of faith that the rest of the team is acting on their behalf and so we join join solves that it's a software platform it's deployed you know through the web browser it's, it's a cloud hosted piece of software um, and teams use it to assemble all of the information that guides those decisions. So right now this is done in email and it's copying and pasting things out of the VE log and into email and back and forth. And it, it's like, it's 60 hours of work in the 40 hour work week. And you haven't even started to like analyze the, uh, you know, analyze that information. Um, and then once it's in join, there's simple, clear visualizations that allow the whole team to understand what's on the table, what decisions they need to make, and why they should make them. Um, yeah, so teams use it to run their OAC meetings um, and guide, guide owners to uh, make decisions in a timely way, make decisions that they're bought into, and ideally make good decisions that'll move move projects forward Brilliant. just in case anybody doesn't know oac what does that mean oh yeah sorry i i'm, I'm that's the owner architect contractor team meeting good um, so i yeah. call it the three-legged stool on on the podcast so that 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 is the meeting so the three-legged stool 100 so it's basically collaboration transparency within that now how does the whole thing around pre-construction data the data is there different privileges different permissions at each at each at each stage i mean or does everyone just have a, 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 a an open view of everything um yeah that's a that's a great question um uh right we think one one of the things that's challenging about pre-construction is that you gotta leverage like all these different specialist people you've got your you got the, you got sort of um 
estimator or pre-construction manager talent, right? Like 10 years ago, that meant you were really good at estimating. Today, that means you're both really good at estimating and are able to guide the relationship and project manage and assemble and air traffic control other people's work during pre-construction. There's just like so much more going on. It used to be pre-construction happened with a 100% construction documentation, like design set. And before any work had started, it was this very narrow period that was focused on turning around a number. And that was challenging enough. Now it goes on for much longer. Work might start at the beginning and the design might not be done till the end. So there's just a lot more going on. And so pre-construction like professionals, particularly general contractors being stretched in all sorts of new directions. A lot of what they have to assemble is specialist information, whether it's cost information or constructability insights or what have you. Um, from uh, different trade partners or different consultants or uh, different engineers. And um, you need to be able to bring all of this together to show particularly the owner, but also the design team, a unified picture of where the project is. But you also don't really need the acoustic consultant in there messing around with the numbers for what like you're expecting the steel to cost, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's this tricky balance where you need you need really... You need to be able to get everything together, but you also need, and this is what we've had to build, um, uh, robust controls for, you know, compartmentalizing this information just so that everyone's confident that people are seeing what they should see and, and nothing more. Brilliant. And of course, yeah. as well, I mean, there's there's seeing and getting access to different different data and stuff. But I would imagine the owner, I mean, we're 75% of the world is are visual people. So I would imagine the visual side is more towards the owner and then the architect obviously the, the, the designers and then the, the contractor needs to get into the nitty-gritty of the the numbers and update it and then that updates through the visual you know what i would love and, and um, like like every podcast that we jump on this is not prepped there's no preparation but i would love if you could visually show us a, a, like a, a but we might do that again um andrew and then put it under this the, the, this podcast uh because that would be pretty cool just just seeing the the, the product in action um, because obviously, I mean, I, I know I am, I mean, I'm an engineer, but I, I'm not a pre-construction engineer and estimator, but I would love to just see it visually. So that, 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 that sounds really good. How, initially you said you started, um, a product, how has it evolved? How has it pivoted over the last three or four years since you started? And where do you see the biggest value add coming from? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'll start, I'll start at the end and then, then maybe talk about how we got there. The biggest value adds we see are around improving the experience of teams that are running these pre-construction processes. And that, that's, that's both, you know, it's, if, if these estimators and pre-construction managers are doing 60 hours of work, just assembling the information before they've made any decisions or they've added any value on top of it, like they're probably working 70, 80 hour weeks. I mean, these people are working hard. They're, the decisions they're making are, they're, they're the ones that set up their entire firm for profitability. If they screw up, everyone they work with gets laid off. Like it's really, it's this really high pressure situation. And, um, you know, a lot of it hinges on uh, like, Excel formulas being right. And so team, like we got all these stories from um, folks like it's Sunday afternoon, they're at the baseball game and like something starts scratching the back of their head and they say like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done. It's only inning two, but like I'm, I'm headed back to the office to make sure this is all right. And they, they need to like, just, oh, just the other day we were onboarding a new client and like um, brought in, you know, an estimate. They had a project that was in process. They wanted to move it to join because they were adopting join and they brought it in and you know, we found a discrepancy in the numbers 
you know, the total cost for the project between like what it was in join and what it was like in their, in their spreadsheet, they were running it. And like, obviously we were worried that there was a bug or we hadn't brought something in. And what it turned out was there was a formula that was wrong in the spreadsheet. And the formula was wrong by a two to the tune of $3 million. Um, right. That can make or break a project. I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big it, project. Make but... or break, make or break a project. It could make or break a company. Yeah. Um, and you, you know, these t- folks, folks get through this, right? Like pre-construction yeah. happens and they're, they're smart, dedicated professionals, but it's hard. Um, yeah. And so one of the big value adds is just like improving the day-to-day life of everyone on the team. Um, yeah. The other is improving the day-to-day life and relationships with all the other stakeholders, particularly the owner. Um, yeah. So the owner owner can rest assured, you got a better understanding of what's going on. They're able to see, they're, they're, it's just like a better experience. Like, it sounds funny, right? Like it's construction and we're talking about bringing buildings out. But like when we talk to, um, you know, we talk to, you know, some of our repeat customers who have worked with us for a long time, like they, they talk about emotion a lot. And, um, you know, you're in the three-legged stool. You got the owner, the architect, the contractor, like with traditional delivery methods, design, bid, build methodologies, like it's this, have you seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? That standoff at the end where yeah. like it's these three people with a gun <laughs> and like someone's going to get shot, right? Like in, it, 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 in those non, not in pre, not with the pre-construction way of building, like it's this, each person has two guns and they pointed one at each of the other like stakeholders. And it's this awful contentious thing. And the owner is unhappy because their project's late and over budget. And the architect is unhappy because this amazing thing they designed has been value engineered without any sense by the general contractor. And the general contractor is unhappy because the architect gave them something that they can't build and the owner doesn't know what they want. And they've got to deal with all these, all the trades to begin with. And it's that it, it, it's, it's awful. And the promise of pre-construction is that with the right contractual incentives and early involvement, you don't have to work that way. Yeah. But not every team has completely adjusted. And so we join by making it easier to offer a little transparency. Obviously, you control it. You don't share stuff you don't need to or that you shouldn't. Um, But offering the right amount of transparency, it's almost an olive branch. And, you know, the the motion changes. Like, you don't have to go into every one of these meetings, like, pulling your guns out of the holster. And um, It's a brilliant brilliant analogy. And I heard it on on another podcast. The guy said, as an estimator, all you got to do is every meeting, you got to shoot your way out of a meeting. That's simply simply the way an estimator goes into a meeting, knowing that he's going to be attacked from all ends. He he almost can't win. Um, Yeah, and it's not like like his or her fault, right? It's like, it's the truth of the market. It's that you you want champagne and you have a beer budget, like a lot of the time, yeah. You yeah, got to shoot 100%. your way out. That's a great analogy for it. And it's and it's a thankless task as well. I mean, you can't win if you're high and you, you, or if you're low, you've missed something. If you're high, you, you don't win the, the the bid. It's near on impossible. Um, and it's interesting that, to to know about the 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 three legged stool and, and and the collaboration and and the, the openness and the transparency. I think it's so important um, from everyone. When it comes to pre-construction data, historical data for companies that are building the same warehouse in, in multiple places all over the US, and obviously there's going to be different circumstances and variables and weather conditions of, of, of that, um, what, what joins um, kind of pre-construction data, historical data? What, what's the, the focus there for, for them? Yeah, great question. We, right now, we're not doing a huge amount in closing the loop from... Um, uh, historical estimation data. Um, 
we see a big opportunity in helping close the loop with historical as-builds. Um, okay. The uh, uh, you know there 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 are dedicated estimation systems out there. Um, Sage, WinS, Beck, ProEst, Stack, right? Whole whole list and um, Join doesn't replace any of those. And um, we we integrate with a number of them. We've got I'm going to be on a podcast uh, hopefully in a month with you know someone from Beck. Um, uh, we great great relationship. Um, and a lot of those tools have developed fantastic functionality for managing historical estimates. Um, yeah. And we don't we don't need it. Yeah. That's not that's not the value that that joins can bring to the market, and so our, our attitude there is really to integrate on historical estimates, right. um, and integrate it with other cost data streams. Where yeah. you know, in in uh, design bid build methodology, you have these um, like isolated periods of time where you develop new estimates, and the first one was conceptual. Maybe it was based on historical numbers. Maybe it was just based on a swag develop the GC detailed estimate, and then you go out to the trade, you get numbers from them, and then you bid the project out, and then you start actually building it, right? And um, with this, the, the blurring of project phases that comes with these pre-construction-led projects, like it's all over the place. Like, you started building the foundation, and the owner put their arm up and said like, hey, what if we put a pool on top of the building? <laughs> and so that's a conceptual number, and you got some stuff that the GC's price, and some stuff that the trade's price, and some stuff that's bid, and some stuff that's working place. And like, it's it's this continuously evolving picture that you need to give a continuous and real-time like view into. And so we think there's a number of different cost sources that can help inform decision-making in that environment. One of the really important ones is historical estimates, like a lot of work went into figuring out what, you know, a given component of a building costs in a given city at a given time, you can escalate that, you can bring it forward, that gives you some piece of insight into what things will cost. Um, and we're, we're excited to integrate there. We're also excited to help help firms bring bring forward historical as-builts right. um, so that you're, you're pricing based on what it actually cost at the end of the previous project, not what you thought it would cost at the beginning. Brilliant, love it. Um, and then join the next five years. What does it look like? What's the most exciting thing that you're looking forward to bringing to market? What gets you up in the morning? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, coffee gets me up in the morning. <laughs> um, the uh, 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 look, the one of the things that we're really excited about is the opportunity to start to offer insights back into this decision-making process. Um, Pre-construction, you know, right now is run through, um, it's run through spreadsheets by smart people. And um, the spreadsheet hopefully is built pretty well and there aren't formula errors, but it also, it starts blank. Um, and, you know, you're able to fill it in with what your, you know, pre-construction team, your owner, your architect, your general contractor, your trade partners, if they're involved, like already know or what you have time to research, like what the opportunities are, what the different material systems. I mean, there's new material systems coming online like every week, it feels yeah. like. It's like there's crazy opportunities out there looking at, you know, there's all these opportunities for like offsite, offsite production that are that are coming into play. Like, and it's not, it, it's a way more complicated question than like, do we cut the building up into boxes? Or it's like, no, 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 we're not talking about that. It's like, do we do bathroom pods? Or do we do just the vanities? Or like, can we combine like MEP trades into racks that get like built off site and put in much quicker? Like there's, there's, there's all these things that have to be considered early. And um, in a spreadsheet, it's hard, but in an application, um, it's structured data. And so we've got this opportunity to help close the loop again. And Brilliant. 
you know, yeah. start from something, a better place than an empty spreadsheet. Yeah. And not, not only does it make pre-construction and estimating lives even better, it makes the QAQC guy life better, the safety guy, the, the project manager, the superintendent, the trades. Um, it really does make everyone's life a lot better when it's, when it's, when there's full transparency and every no, everyone knows exactly what is happening, but also that every variable had been thought about at the beginning and has been plugged in. Yeah. And it, yeah. pre-construction staff like are at the, they're at the core of it. These, yeah. these, the talent that does this is like, yeah. you know, the, 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 eye of the needle that everything has to pass through yeah. um, and listen i, I mean that, that's my game we, we we're yeah. the only pre-construction <laughs> estimating talent firm in the u.s but gcs are now coming to the realization of that i mean we get weekly calls with gcs saying can you work with us can you find these people um and when 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 you get them in and they build strong teams and literally and I'm not talking about the ENR top 10 or an ENR top 20. I'm talking about small, mid-sized, large companies. Once they get the pre-construction, you can see the companies that are successful because they have the strongest pre-construction teams and they've integrated technology to, to expedite and help the, the, the teams as well. Um, and they're, they're absolutely killing it. And I was going to ask you as well, Andrew, 2020, obviously the, the construction was, the whole world was, was hit by, by COVID. Um, how did you guys adapt and how, how did you use that year? Because a lot of general contractors had a lot of time on their hands that they normally wouldn't have. Yeah, it's a good question. The, um, so right when COVID hit, it was a little bit bumpy for us for about two months. But um, what became pretty quick after that was that the market was not collapsing, but it was tightening. And this meant that a lot of our customers and a lot of our prospects had a lot more emphasis in their day-to-day -day lives on winning work. Um, and in the old days, you want to work with that bid. That was yeah. it. Like, yeah. where's the number? Is it, you don't want to be the low one. You don't want to be the high one. You want to be the right number to win the job. Hard, bid, not, was, hard bid was the most popular method. Yeah. Like, and, and, and it's probably the least most popular one now. For good reason, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, folks, folks are still doing hard bid and delivering, of course, delivering yeah. good projects that way, but 80%, I mean, the DBIA just released another study looking at usage of design build and construction manager at risk or CMGC delivery methods, and that's it's 80% of the market. Um, yeah. And uh, in those methodologies, you don't win just with a number. You win by convincing people that you've got the expertise and the skills to get through pre-construction and then deliver on that project. And join is a very visual and highly effective tool for communicating that expertise and so the big big thing that came out of 2020 was that we found that um found that our customers were winning work with join that they were pulling us into their pursuit process presenting with join and convincing owners that they were the right partner for the job um in part because of what they were able to demonstrate through join it's not that joins the answer it's that join helps the team articulate their value to owners but uh it does so apparently quite effectively um right. and yeah, we're happy to be a part of our customers' success that way. Wonderful. And I just want to go back. I probably should have done this at the start, but you know yourself. It's uh, we pivot in this on this podcast. Talk to me now about the 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 the, the four founders. So Jim, Drew, E, and yourself. How was that put together? How do you complement each other? How 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 do you? What? Why did you go with four founders? Yeah. Well, people came on when it, I mean it's really it's sometimes hard to like decide who who's who's a co-founder at a company and who isn't. So I think actually the right answer is the six people that were on the team when we raised our first, first sort of substantial round of equity. And we had um, Drew and I were both software engineers. Um, we knew each other from uh, Flux. Um, e was a 3D printing software engineer. Um, so three 
three software engineers came together. Um, Jim Forrester, totally different. I mean, he's written a bunch of code in his time, but he was, he's currently got a business development title at Join. And previously he was a co-founder at Newforma, um, which had just exited to Battery Ventures. And um, as Jim put it to me yesterday, like he's not really someone to like work, work a corporate job for, for too long. He wanted to get back into it. And Jim, Jim brought um, a lot of experience in positioning the business and in being patient and finding these threads of opportunity that other people hadn't tracked. And so um, Jim started as like a informal advisor who was spending time with us. And then we're like, Jim, what if we knew we could get a day a week of your time? Um, <laughs> oh, no, no, before that was like, okay, a formal advisor. And so we would get a day a month or something like that. Yeah. Guaranteed, I mean, it, was, it was always way more than this. Then it was a day a week as like a part-time employee to do one thing with us. And then we like, it was like- And he got like, sucked in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, two other early members to call out actually, Dan Anthony um, joined as a software engineer. Dan Anthony was a, a computational designer at MBBJ previously. And um, he had he had trained trained as an architect, um, had a stamp uh, and had learned to code and and loves loves the industry and loves the built environment, but wanted, wanted to have more of an impact than was possible inside of any one particular firm. Um, so he joined very early and then uh, last sort of member of the founding crew, if you will, was um, Christina Landry, who's joins head of product. And um, we met her, I do you know SCS, the Society for Construction Solutions. Yeah. Um, yeah, we met her randomly at um, one of these meetings where um, she had trained as an architect out on the West Coast um, and had graduated in 2009, 2008, 2009, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, great time to try to get a first job as an architect right i mean she's like, <laughs> she's just fantastically talented and like sent out a hundred applications and got one interview and no jobs and so you know she went into technology and so she had a run as a um product manager lead at uh two two startups i think in new york one one sort of funnily like she couldn't couldn't do architecture because of the financial crisis but um she ended up being head of product at a company that was responding to some of the credit securities legislation that came out of the financial crisis and so right. built this built a huge team there very successful run um and at some point she decided she wanted to get back to get back to the built environment um and so started looking looking for early companies in that space to to join and um uh we we are very excited to, that she chose us. Um, Glad to have her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it's a, yeah, it's always been this mixture. The team's always been this mixture of practitioners and technologists. Um, so we got probably half the team, maybe two thirds of the team, has come from industry in some way. They're not always leveraging those skills now. Um, right, yeah. our um, director of customer education, Gustav, is like a tenure estimator at Webcore. Like teaches estimate, like super experienced, definitely leveraging his industry experience. But other other folks. It's it's the language, it's the perspective, it's the love for the industry that um, that they bring to the table. Yeah, brilliant, love it. Um, and then just uh, kind of coming towards the end now, uh, Andrew, is what what is your target audience like? If if someone's listening to this now, they're a mid level GC, do five hundred million a year, thinking about pre con technology. Is that your target, or are you? Oh can yeah, you, can you serve us all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we don't serve everyone, um, but we serve uh, basically every project type, and we serve companies around 
the country. We've gotten a little, it's funny, we've been a little too busy to update the set of logos on our website, but um, uh, $500 million a year GC who does a design build, a construction manager at risk work and wants to advance their pre-construction practice and deliver the best tools for the talent teams that they've assembled. Um, they will be in good company if uh, they came and talked to join. Um, Brilliant. Love it. Yeah. And the best, uh, no, I'll tell you what, we'll do that at the very end. I was going to say contact information and stuff, but I will put it all down the bottom. I'm going to go all uh, to Tim Ferriss on you now. What is the, the big thing that in your like work week and your, your daily routine, whatever it is that has kind of, given you the platform for success has helped you along the way, the, the big change. If someone was sitting out there going, you know what, I want to start. We actually had two guys on recently. It'll come, they'll be coming out, being published the same time as this. Um, two guys started their own GC down in Texas and uh, fascinating guys. And I'm always fascinated by what makes you kind of jump to the entrepreneurial and what helps you because it's a tough, stressful space. We know pre-construction estimating is stressful, but being an entrepreneur is stressful and lonely. Yeah, um, I think what let me do it is, I mean, like, super frankly, it was okay. It's always been okay if it didn't work out. Um, I've got, you know, I'm, I'm married. My wife has a job. Um, I didn't have a kid when it started. Um, that probably would have made it a little bit harder to get started. But, um, <laughs> That's more pressure. Yeah, no, we had him along the way. Um, uh, that that was That was a big, you know, enabler, just sort of a, like it, it was okay. Like it wasn't, I didn't, you know, my, my ego isn't going to be damaged if it doesn't work out for some reason. Like, I mean, we obviously have big ambitions and big hopes and big expectations, but um, yeah, having, having other things in your life that matter more, I think makes it easier to step back at certain times and relax about certain decisions. Cause there's a lot of stuff where if you're tied up in a knot, can't sleep at night um yeah, it's gonna be come harder. Down to decisions yeah. yeah yeah it's gonna be harder um yeah but on a on a week-to-week -week basis um yeah i've gotten really relentless about trying to exercise every day um mm. that's been so stuff gets <laughs> it's funny it used to be the like oh well like everything that needs to get done that's not exercise gets done and then exercise happens like well yeah. exercise is going to happen and if other stuff doesn't fit it doesn't fit because right you have to be able to got to get up the next day exactly if you're healthy and you're making good decisions everything else will fall into place and if you're not strong you're not physically or mentally strong then it's there's no chance of that happening yeah brilliant and what is the go-to exercise are you uh, a runner or yeah i was a runner i'm now a weightlifter although oh, cool. you probably can't tell because i'm not a particularly good one um, <laughs> but i do enjoy it that yeah. is it's a challenge yeah it's uh what are you deadlifting are you yeah well, yeah, what I, got a, I got a I got a squat rack for right. For well, let, let, let's hear it. Now. This is called accountability. We're going to we're going to see where you're at now. And then we're going to call you in 12 months to see where you've improved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's my I think my deadlift PR is 305. Wow. I don't think I'm there yet. Um, I think my oh, the other one, oh, it's always the bench press. Um, I think I my PR there is 200. I think I could go. I think I could beat that right now. But wow. Um, yeah, you're obviously at it for a while because you don't get up to those numbers without practicing. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, there. yeah. very good. Okay, well, listen, Andrew, this has been fascinating. Uh, love hearing about Join. Love where you guys are at. Four years in, obviously killing it and smashing it. Um, going to follow your journey. Uh, we're going to get you on again, hopefully in the next 12 months to see where you're at. 
um, to contact you if there's any general contractors owners out there that that want to find out more about join um what's the best email address maybe linkedin where do we, where do they find you yeah great i'm on linkedin um if you reach out to me at andrew at join.build um uh we'll would love to be in touch and um see if there's a way that we can help your teams out wonderful andrew thanks for your time today sir absolutely thanks for having me on Well, folks, what a treat that is. Great conversation with Andrew and a big thank you for Andrew for giving up his time. Um, no doubt about it. Pre-construction technology, you'll have heard of me say it many times, to me is the future of pre-construction itself, but obviously construction as well. So if you do have any questions for Andrew, he's a super open guy. Um, anything you want to talk to him about, feel free to contact him. I will put his LinkedIn link below in the comment section and also his email address. Um, feel free to reach out to him at any time.